This is the 77 WABC minicast. Do you remember the good old days of about a year and a half ago when the only thing we had to worry about was a major crisis in Eastern Europe with the two largest nuclear powers in the world on opposite sides of an armed conflict? Well, now uh, we have not only that to worry about, but a major conflict in the Middle East, which has the potential to flare up and engulf not just the entire region, but the entire world. And on top of it, the House of Representatives is still at a standstill because they still can't agree as to who should be the Speaker of the House. A man who is an authority on all of that and a great deal more is a man with uh, a resume that is much longer than just about any guest we've ever had. Goes back about uh, 50, 60 years in both public and uh, in the, both the public sector and the private sector. Very pleased uh, to welcome the former U.S. Director of National Intelligence, a legal board member with no labels, Admiral Dennis Blair. Admiral Blair, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining me. Good to be with you, Frank. Admiral, I'm going to talk to you about some very serious subjects in a minute, but uh, before I get you to weigh in on this, I have to get you to clear up something that's been published in major publications about you and uh, may affect your credibility in the minds of a lot of our listeners. <laughs> it was reported that you were the first naval officer to ever attempt water skiing behind a modern destroyer that you were commanding. Is that true? Did you try to water ski behind a destroyer? I did. I did. It was uh, off of the mouth of uh, Tokyo Bay after a long time at sea, and uh, I was getting bored, and I thought the crew was getting bored, so we needed to liven it up, and so I gave it a shot. That's my kind of naval commander, sir, I'll tell you. All right. Um, you obviously were the chairman, was the, were the director of national intelligence. Intelligence has been a, a big part of, uh, especially the latter part of your career in government service. A lot of folks are asking the question about this Hamas attack on Israel with the Mossad, with the Shin Bet, with the close uh, relationship that uh, American intelligence agencies have with Israeli intelligence agencies. How does a terrorist operation of this magnitude, land, sea, air, take place without Israeli intelligence and maybe American intelligence knowing about it beforehand? What's your take on this, sir? Well, I, I'm... Somewhat surprised, I would say, Frank, but not entirely. The uh, the technical means of in intelligence uh, are uh, fairly well understood. Sa satellites taking pictures, uh, signals intelligence people trying to intercept intercept uh, messages, and fairly sophisticated organizations can do everything the old-fashioned way without a lot of external signatures without a lot of communications and and uh and and pretty well under wraps uh it takes a while longer you have to talk in person you have to send written messages but it can be done the human intelligence uh depend depends on uh, recruiting people in the right uh, position in another another organization that is working against you and and that frankly is is hard we have we have a hard time 
have had a hard time with it in terrorist organizations. The Israelis uh, do do as well. So I can I can imagine that with compartmentation, very careful planning, taking their time, Hamas uh, could have been able to pull this operation of involving a couple of thousand of their of their uh, soldiers together without uh, it being detected. So disappointing, but not surprising. Now Israel's in the midst of uh, rooting out Hamas, and uh, a lot of people are concerned about the collateral damage that's involved here. A lot of uh, innocent people being uh, being hurt, being killed, having their homes destroyed. And uh, there's a lot of concern that this could lead to more te- uh, terrorist recruitment because the, uh, the brothers and the cousins of those that might be killed who are innocent might then be uh, subject to recruitment from groups like Hamas. How do you, and I guess maybe this is a very difficult question to answer in the course of a short radio interview, but how do you root out Samas and bring to justice the people that did this without butchering countless civilians and creating more terrorists in the process? Unfortunately, the way you have to do that is by putting your own people at somewhat greater risk. The the orders you give them are... uh, have to be pretty tight in terms of uh, shooting back at uh, places that might involve women and children and other innocent people being uh, being killed. So it requires uh, going going more slowly, uh, going more carefully, maybe taking a few more casualties your, yourself. Uh, but in general, I think most modern armed forces find the it's worth it to be more careful uh, for exactly the reasons that you site and and we have such a such a negative example in front of us which is the way the russians have been acting in ukraine uh, actions which ultimately resorted in their president being indicted by the international criminal court so it's sort of the price we have to pay for countries like israel's and ours that believe in the value of human life and individual individual rights and responsibilities uh, fighting in these kinds of wars the issue of uh, the hostages, we got some rare good news out of the Middle East on Friday when it was announced that uh, two American hostages were released. How do you handle getting the hostages out? If you're the Israelis, if you're the Americans, uh, I mean, obviously, if you're the family member of one of these hostages, you want everything possible done to secure their release. But I would think that that's a very difficult thing to do if the demands for their release are unreasonable and include the release of a uh, hundred or a thousand Hamas militants. How do you handle the hostage aspect of this, Admiral? Hostages have a a value, but it's a value only as long as they're alive, right? That that is when you have leverage, and in these extraordinary times, which are different from previous hostage swaps that uh, Israel and the groups around it have have negotiated. Uh, I just can't see Israel making these sort of swaps that it did in the the past. Um, If the determination that exists in Israel is everything we we think it probably is, they're going to move into Gaza and and uh, take take control of it for for at least a while, and the hostages 
in the large term are not going to stop him. So I think the I think the value of the hostage in changing Israeli policy is pretty pretty low, and that the Hamas, if it has any sense, will be realizing that the prices Israel is willing to pay at this point with the situation as it exists now is not going to be high. And let's hope uh, that can lead to the hostages getting out of there. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Admiral Dennis Blair, former director of national intelligence and a no labels board member. Admiral Blair, last question about uh, foreign policy. And then I want to ask you about the the chaos that we're seeing in Washington. We saw the president's address to the nation on uh, Thursday night, and he spoke not just about the situation in the Middle East, but the situation with respect to Russia and, and Ukraine. However people might feel about what we're doing to Ukraine and supplying aid, however they might feel about what we're doing to Israel and supplying aid and along with humanitarian aid to the Palestinians, was it a mistake for President Biden to sort of marry the two issues in a primetime address? Obviously, you studied Russian uh, studies. You know far more about the history of the conflict uh, than I do. But uh, clearly, there are some major, major differences in the history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the history of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Was it a mistake for the president to marry the two issues in his address? I think what he was uh, doing, Frank, was pointing at the larger issue of American leadership we the group led by the united states democratic led countries market uh, capitalist uh, economies uh, ways to for minorities and and individuals to have their rights rights enforced is is really under siege from two directions it's both from authoritarian states that want to redraw the order, like Russia and China, and of course from uh, terrorist groups, uh, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, ISIS, Hamas, that use terrorism 